from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Tossed Popcorn is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, everybody. I'm Sienna Jekyll. And I'm Liana Holston. And welcome to Tossed Popcorn, the podcast in which two idiots watch every film on the AFI's 100 Greatest American Movies of All Time, the very, very slightly less racist 10th Anniversary Edition. This podcast is a safe space. Run away! (laughs) For people who don't know anything about movies, today we're watching Chinatown. I goddamn near lost my nose. Number 21 on the AFI list. Warning, there will be spoilers about this stupid and bad film. We need to give a content warning. Content warning as well. We will be discussing racism against Chinese Americans and sexual assault and incest. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's a fucking Polanski film. There's a lot of unpleasant content this in this one. This movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, also, if you like this podcast, please subscribe to it wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star rating and leave a nice little review in the comments on Apple Podcasts. It truly, truly makes a difference. We really appreciate it. If you would do that, please do that. Also, please follow us on social media, Ooh. on our Instagram, at Toss Popcorn. Also, our Twitter, everywhere, we're at Toss Popcorn. We post memes every Saturday. Yes. They are delightful. Mm-hmm. You'll probably like them if you like this show. Sienna, mm-hmm. did you know anything about this movie going into it? So, I will, I'll mention this in my prediction. Well, perf. Let's hear what you thought this movie was going to be in your prediction. Hi, Liana. 
I'm about to watch the movie Chinatown for the very first time. Now, you and I brought up this film a few months back when we were about to apply for this competition. A few months, fully a year. And I remember that you thought it was from like the 2000s uh-huh. and I thought it was from like the 20s because I thought it was a Charlie <laughs> Chaplin film. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I know we're both wrong. <laughs> and I know actually quite a bit about this film now oh. because in the last two oh. weeks when I oh, brought no. up the fact that I was going to watch <laughs> Chinatown, every man I have come across... Uh around whom I was when talking about the film Chinatown has informed me of something else about the movie, even though I really, I was trying to tell them not to say anything, but they always manage to get it out before I can stop them. So I know that it's a noir. I know that it's in the 70s or 80s. And that's what's cool about it. And it takes place in Chinatown in Los Mm -hmm. Angeles. Kind of. So um, I feel like I pretty much know it all. There's probably going to be people shooting each other. Most of that was wrong. Let's find out what happens. Bye bye. Such a roller oh, coaster. Because you, ha- I know you've been a little bit worried this week of like, I already know too much about the film. People keep telling me things about it. But to be kind of wrong about all of those things that people have told you, oh, I love it. I had such confidence too about like, oh, okay, now I get it. Like, I know the deal. <laughs> I didn't even predict that much because I'm like, what am I going to do? Say it all? I know. <laughs> Liana, let's listen to your prediction. Hello, Sienna. Hi. It's Liana. Hi. I am about to watch Chinatown. Sounds like not the morning. Which I know is a fucking... Roman Polanski film. I already had a long day at work, and now I get to do this with my evening. Mm. Thanks, AFI. (laughs) I don't know anything else about this movie. Presumably it's set in Chinatown, and I think think late in the film, somebody's like, that's Chinatown. (sighs) Here we go. Love you, bye. Love you, too. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I'd heard about this in a screenwriting class once where somebody was like, you don't even know why it's Chinatown until the very end when somebody's like, it's Chinatown. (laughs) Oh, that's good. (laughs) I also, you mentioned I thought it was from the 2000s. I was sure this was a Tom Cruise movie. (laughs) I don't know why. I think I was conflating it with like the Bourne identity, which is Matt Damon. Oh, I, I have no idea. I don't know where that thought came from. If any of the listeners have an idea, let us know. Honestly... Now that I've, like, that doesn't feel entirely crazy to me now that I've seen it. Like, the fact that it's Jack Nicholson also felt, it's just all surprising. A surprising film. Yeah. I was like, what? Also, doesn't he play a character whose name starts with J? Yeah. Which I found out thanks to Amazon Prime telling me the names of the characters. Nice. Well, would you like to hear a summary? I would love, because I'm honestly not sure what was going on in this movie. Yeah. I mean, I wrote a summary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. A summary of the film Chinatown. JJ, quote, Jake Gitz. I think it's Geddes? Giddes? Oh, Giddes? Giddies? Giddies. We don't know when we watched the film. Jake is a private eye. Mm. This is played by Jack Nicholson. He's a private eye in dusty Los Angeles mm. in the 30s. He is hired by Mrs. Mulray, mm-hmm. another name that makes you go, how do I spell that? Yep. He's hired by Mrs. Mulray to investigate whether her husband, Mr. Mulray, is having an affair. Mm-hmm. He ends up unraveling a greater web of mysteries related to the Mulrays. In fact, that first Mrs. Mulray turned out not to be the actual Mrs. Mulray, Ugh. but the actual Mrs. Mulray ends up being a very important part of the film. Anyway, he unravels mysteries about this family and about the L.A. water system. Yeah, baby! You might not have known, this is a movie about water. Mm -hmm. Other important things, it is a noir. It takes place in the 30s. It does not take place in Chinatown. No. Lots of Los Angeles, but the Chinatown of it all doesn't really come up. No. 
after a lot of trying to get to the bottom of what the actual mystery was, yeah. I, for you, listeners, yeah. have gathered uh-huh. that the people in charge of the water system are drying up the land mm-hmm. so that they can buy the land for cheap. Mm-hmm. Oh, Liana, do you have any historical <laughs> context? By the way, listener, I'm asking that because she's looking at me with the most mischievous little eyes and the most mischievous little smile. This movie didn't make any sense until this morning when I Googled its history. (laughs) All right, everyone, it's time for the historical context for Chinatown, the 1974 Roman Polanski film. We talked about Roman Polanski a lot in our Rosemary's Baby episode. He assaulted a literal child in 1977. I do not have the energy to go back into it. Just know he's a fucking monster. Stop praising him. His movies are bad. Take him off your goddamn lists, American Film Institute. Sienna, have you heard about the California Water Wars? No. That first of all sounds like a like Disney Channel summer games experience. The California Water Wars? <laughs> yeah. I bet it probably was. Like the Ice Bucket Challenge. Where yeah. It was like, we're in a drought. Maybe stop doing that. Let's play with water. In the early 20th century, the Department of Water and Power siphoned off most of the Owens River to bring it to the L.A. Basin. The Owens Valley is an inland valley 200 miles north of Los Angeles. And now we must talk about William Mulholland. I don't know who that is. I know. (laughs) He was an Irish-born civil engineer. He was born in Belfast in 1855, arrived in Los Angeles in 1877, and ultimately led L.A.'s Municipal Water Department, which is the predecessor to the LADWP. Our L.A. resident listeners will know a lot about the LADWP because they take our money every month. (laughs) I know. I'm getting a little bit stressed thinking about my bills right now. I know. It stands for the Los Angeles Department of Water and Power, and that is one of our utility bills that we pay in many apartments here. William Mulholland is who Hollis Mulray is based on in the film, but also who Noah Cross is based on as well. Oh, Mulholland had traces of benevolence in terms of bringing water to the city of Los Angeles, but also traces of being like a bit of a a robber baron in many ways of like literally stealing water from farmers 200 miles north of L.A. Starting in 1905, Los Angeles acquired land and water rights to over 1,000 Owens Valley farms, comprising 262,000 acres of land. Eventually, the Water and Power Department owned 95% of water rights along the Owens River, so that in 1908, they could build a 233-mile-long aqueduct to take the water to Los Angeles. This was very, very controversial. The farmers were not happy about it. They were literally siphoning water away from the Owens Valley to take it to L.A., a city built in a desert, a very stupid city, a very stupid place to build a city. Yeah, it doesn't work. It's not made for living. So dumb. The aqueduct had a lot of excess water. So as a result, the San Fernando Valley, which passed between Owens Valley and L.A., blossomed. It bloomed because it was getting this excess water. The aqueduct took five years to build. And because of this aqueduct, the L.A. population exploded. It's estimated that if they had not built this, only about 500,000 people could have lived in Los Angeles. And today the population is like in the millions. Wow. Mulholland and the Department of Water and Power went back for more water. So again, the... Aqueduct opened in 1913. They went back for more from the Owens Valley in 1926 and 1927. And farmers of Owens Valley ended up repeatedly dynamiting aqueducts, (gasps) like parts of the aqueduct that was taking their water to L.A., which we hear about in the movie a little bit. But it's like not even shown, which would be like fun and cool to Mm. watch. (sighs) I have so many problems with this movie. (laughs) Um, And so because of this, Mulholland sent dozens of armed guards to protect the aqueduct because... We'd love to protect property and not people in this country. (laughs) 
Also, Mulholland resigned in 1929 because there was a 1928 collapse of the St. Francis Dam that was catastrophic and killed hundreds that he was like responsible for the building of. So a bit of a disgrace in the end. Los Angeles is a desert. (laughs) It could not exist without aqueducts from sources like the Eastern Sierra runoff, which is what the Owens River gets snow runoff from, and the Colorado River aqueduct that brings in water to Los Angeles as well. The LADWP today still owns 25% of the Owens Valley floor, which is crazy. And the building of this aqueduct and the siphoning of water away from them for the benefit of Los Angeles absolutely wrecked the Owens Lake ecosystem and eliminated the viability of farming in Owens Valley. That's so sad. It's like, so that's why it's very, very controversial and why, you know, people in Los Angeles benefit from it, but people elsewhere have suffered as a result. Okay, now we must discuss anti-Chinese racism in California. The movie is called Chinatown. The movie stars a lot of white men talking to other white men, mainly about each other and barely interacting with Chinatown. And mainly they just don't like Chinatown or they'll make a racist joke about Chinese people. Mm. Chinese workers began immigrating to the U.S. in the 1850s. They were instrumental in building railways of the American West, among the other trades that they went into upon arriving in America. Looking at you, Leland Stanford, who employed (laughs) them and did not treat them fairly. These immigrants ended up settling in their own neighborhoods. So there are Chinatowns across the U.S. as a result of this immigration. From the 1850s to the 1870s, the California state government passed a series of discriminatory measures attempting to restrict the rights of Chinese residents who had immigrated to the state. The federal government eventually negated a lot of that legislation because it violated the 1868 Berlingame-Seward Treaty with China. But then, in the 1880s, the U.S. government federally restricted immigration from China, limiting the number of Chinese immigrants who could come to the country each year. And then... The Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882. This suspends immigration of Chinese workers completely for 10 years. In 1888, the government, the federal government, passed the Scott Act, which made re-entry to the U.S. after a visit to China impossible. In 1892, the Geary Act renewed exclusion for another 10 years. In 1902, that 10 years was up. And then the government expanded the prohibition to cover Hawaii and the Philippines, as well as China. This exclusion was not repealed until 1943. And even then, when it was repealed, they ended up making it a restriction instead of an exclusion. And they restricted the number of immigrants who could come from China to 105 people per year. Per year! What? That's like nobody. That's so few people. Also, this repealing of the exclusion was only done to aid the morale of China because they were a wartime ally to the U.S. during World War II. Of course. Yeah. The reason it's really, really important to highlight this, other than like America loves to just not address its very racist past, is that it's still impacting the country and its residents today. We are seeing so much anti-Asian racism in the U.S. today. We have seen an escalation of xenophobia and bigotry in the country. We've seen it in the form of these shootings in March of 2021 at the spas in Atlanta. We've seen it... um, with hate crimes throughout the country, it's just so immediately relevant because of the rise of the hate crimes we've seen during the pandemic to the point that the organization Stop AAPI Hate has documented this and has to fight against it constantly. Stop putting these movies on these fucking lists. They're bad for people. They're bad for the country. They're bad. They're just bad. (laughs) Thus concludes the historical context for Chinatown. Thank you so much, Liana. Wow. So it's a very historical film. Yeah, it's it's rooted in so much stuff. 
it's like a noir take on these water wars, I mm-hmm. guess. I'm trying to think back on like what <laughs> happened, mm-hmm. which is a perfect segue into our phone notes in which we discussed the notes that we took on our phones while watching this movie because we watched them separately. Listeners, we're doing something pretty exciting today. Yeah, get excited because we're going to be switching it up. Literally switching. We decided this time it's a Roman Polanski film. That's exhausting. We hate him. We are looking for ways to make this fun. And, you know, we thought just why not switch it up for ourselves and you guys. Normally, we read our own notes to each other. Mm -hmm. But this time, Mm -hmm. we've decided to switch So I'll be reading the notes Sienna took and reacting to them, and she'll be reading the notes that I took and reacting to them in real time. See the movie through our partner's perspective. Mm -hmm. Sienna, I'm seeing that your first bolded note is all caps. Shepherd rage! (laughs) Just after you've written sheep? Hello? Your next note is also about sheep. Those sheep came out of nowhere. This movie doesn't make sense until you've thoroughly Googled the history of the California water wars. (laughs) It's just a man, like an old shepherd, like a biblically dressed He has a staff. With a Bible staff. (laughs) Rolls into a conference or something. Like this town hall. Yeah, about the water, about a dam. This movie was so hard because anytime I see a room that's only white men sitting and listening to another white man, I completely tune out. And that was this whole film. Right? That's why, I mean, maybe a little bit smarter them to bring sheep in, because I was like, hello? Yeah, it did get, it got our attention. A hundred sheep come in, and I was really worried that they were going to get hurt, because I hate Roman Polanski, and I don't trust him in any capacity. Instead, they just, like, come in, and a farmer is like, I don't know where to put these sheep. <laughs> okay, see, this makes sense now, again, after right. your historical context. They don't explain it at all. This movie would have benefited so much from an up-top, like, hey, in the 30s, there was a lot going on. In this valley where farmers were suffering. Like, even just that would have been helpful. Sort of like a Star Wars opening crawl. Yeah. Where they explain. But instead, the opening crawl was just, like, directed by Roman Polanski. Roman Polanski made this movie. Hi, I'm Roman Polanski, and I suck. That's a really good point. Thank you. I feel like maybe directors would look down on doing that kind of thing, you know? Because it's like, no, we'll just be in the world. I'm not going to explain the... But that would have made this a lot more entertaining. I know. For myself. It just, uh, even with the on-screen reading, I would have done it. Here's water. (laughs) We'll be right back. (laughs) From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I've never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. 
I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune into what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. Okay, Liana says, it's so dumb to tail someone in a full suit. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> you stick out like a store thumb. He was in like a, on a cliffside in a gray suit and a hat. And I was like, my guy. <laughs> also, that's oh. why all the men in this film were so sweaty. Yes, you're so right. <laughs> There's like a heat wave and they're like, oh, I got to put on my hat and my third vest. <laughs> my hard, sharp shoes. You can't make a getaway in a suit. <laughs> that's when he was... On the cliff, I guess doing research. Oh, he was because his Hollis Mulray's wife has come and said, hey, I think that this man is cheating. Yeah. And so he goes to watch Mulray (laughs) and he sees Mulray at a cliff. He just follows him to like five different water areas (laughs) and is like, what the fuck? What's this guy doing? And then on one of them, he's like smoking a cigarette at nighttime. He lights up a cigarette with fire. And I was like, you're trying to blend in and you've just literally lit like a signal (laughs) that you are on the side of the mountain. And then he gets absolutely sloshed. By a waterfall. Mulray does? No. This is Nicholson watching Mulray down on the beach. And then the sun sets on the beach. And then he's like, oh, what's he up to? And then water just starts pouring out of the sort of sluice way. Was that, I remember him, that happening, but that feels so much earlier than it. Was that right before he got his nose cut? No, this was earlier. This was like, did he get sloshed twice? I think Mulray had already died at that point. Had he gotten sloshed twice? He got sloshed twice. Okay. This, this was not the full wash. Okay. This was more of a slosh. This is how I would describe it. Um, <laughs> this is when he's like, why is Mulray just along the beach? I thought he was boning someone. This yeah. is what is going on. And the, the premise, which they don't explain until like an hour in, so it's not actually interestingly told, is that Mulray is figuring out that someone is dumping thousands of gallons of water that the city needs, but for some reason they're just dumping it into the ocean instead of giving it to the residents. Right. 
There's two big money boys in yeah. this movie. It's Mulray and then Noah Cross. Right. And they were business partners until Mulray married his daughter. <laughs> um, which somehow not the worst thing that happens in terms of like dynamics between a man and a woman in this film. Not even close to being the worst, unfortunately. Um, so those are the two boys. Right. And I guess it was Cross who was having the water dumped. Yeah. Right. The thing with this movie, like it is a murder mystery, but I didn't care. Also, why does it have to be murder and water? I get that they go together, but they really don't for a very long time. <laughs> so that's just sort of a lot sloshing around in there. Yeah. I also completely agree with that exact conviction because there was a point where I was like, okay, let me try to figure out who this woman is. And and then I was like, wait, I, I actually really don't want to do that. <laughs> I was not compelled. <laughs> I was not compelled by this journey. Yeah. Yeah, and I am loving that I'm seeing one of your notes is just, all caps, DAMN, spelled D-A-M, parentheses, N, and parentheses. That's fun. I thought that a couple times, because they keep talking about this damn damn, <laughs> and I thought, DAMN! <laughs> <laughs> I'm also seeing that you wrote, HORSE 902. This was such a horse-heavy film. Yeah, we saw the sheep and I was like, oh, that's funny. They might be the horse of this film. Right. Nope. Immediately, mm. there was a little Mexican boy on a horse. Even before that, there was a horse in a newspaper. <gasps> You're really good at spotting them. I am worried <laughs> at how horse attuned I have become because of this podcast. Okay. This reminds me, yeah. talking about the horses, of later, there's a woman who rides horses. Yes. Horse pants. She's got big horse, horse pants. pants. So this woman, this is the real Mrs. Mulray. Oh, this I'm, is so confusing. I'm sorry. You know what, you guys? Like, it doesn't. This doesn't matter for you. It's just another lesson in like, stop making casts that are all white people because we will get them confused with each other. Absolutely. I had no idea it was a different woman. It's like a thin white woman. There are. They also like put her in a hat and a veil in the first one. So I was like, maybe she just looks a little different because there's not a veil over her face anymore. Yeah. Anyway, the first Mrs. Mulray who came and was like, stalk my husband. Yeah. He did. He went. He saw that he was with another woman. Mm -hmm. He was with this other woman. Mm -hmm. But this other woman turned out to be his actual wife. So then when he meets... No, the other woman he was with was his, like, daughter, question mark? Stepdaughter? Oh. Yeah. See, they had, like, similar hair. It's a fucking mess. Oh, my gosh. The only difference was she was blonde, but he saw her from far away, so it was really confusing. Wow. Okay, well, I'm glad that I got that so wrong because we're free now. Yeah. We're freed of understanding all the things because there are many other things to talk about and yeah. watch in this movie. Uh, yeah. Like, you can't avoid seeing somebody get their nose sliced. I accidentally did. <laughs> How? I was I so would... concerned for you when this happened. I was thank like, you. poor Liana. No, thank you. I was somehow looking at my phone and I, I was toggling between this movie, like the notes for this movie and just fully Instagram while watching it. I was like, I don't, I just don't care. Like, it's not holding my attention. I watch these movies, I promise. But I, I looked down at my phone at the exact moment that there was a knife through the air and his nose gets a little slice in it that was kind of a, a blessing i think did you go back and watch it why would i do that okay good because i knew what had happened i mean also like they took the knife out and i was like i'm gonna clock out mentally yeah. from this please and thank you because the real shock mm -hmm. in this mm -hmm. roman polanski himself oh no did you that was him he makes a cameo. No! Yeah. The tiny, tiny man yeah. with the knife? Ro Roman no, Polanski. I hate that now I've seen him. I know. Ew! I didn't ask for that. Ew! I, I did not consent <laughs> to see Roman Polanski move. Ew! 
Ew. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm so sorry. You must feel so violated. Oh, my God. This little weasel in a suit comes up and is like, I got a knife. <laughs> and it's Roman Polanski. Oh. Yeah, I don't know what. I mean, obviously, he had some problem. I don't know what it was. Some problem. He's like, you snoop it around, whatever. But he has his little Roman Polanski accent. And then he sticks this dagger into Jake's nose. Oh, is that what happens? Well, he, oh, and he goes out? Yeah. Ew! The actual moment Ew. was horrible. Oh, my God. Because I wasn't expecting it either, because he's, like, sort of threatening him. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, you know what's going to happen if yeah. he holds it there for a while. Yeah. And then just, oh. and just blood shoots. Ugh. It was really... We got to stop letting white men make films in which people's noses get fucked up. They love it. It's not okay. acceptable. And this nose, this poor nose was having a bad time for this whole movie, because later he gets punched a lot in oh the same nose. God. In the same nose. <laughs> He wears gauze for most of the film. Which, by the way, mm. for myself, I noticed, because I I feel bad about this. Jack Nicholson, it's not that I have anything personally against him, but I think he plays like a lot of sort of angry or grotesque or just like scary characters. Mm-hmm. So I never like watching him in anything. Yes. So I wasn't happy to see him and I was just kind of like, ugh, mm-hmm. it was kind of unpleasant because of that. And then once his nose was covered up, which I think again... The, the nose is the window to the soul for it, you. Exactly. Yeah. The nostrils that were doing a lot before yeah. were kind of covered up. And I, I started finding him a lot more charming. This is, if you heard our Lawrence of Arabia episode, you know that Sienna really focuses on the nose of an actor rather than the rest of their face. I, I love that. I love that that was a, an escape for you. It did. It changed the film. Wow. I liked it a little bit because the gods continue to be clean. And I was like, you know what? I respect that this man is like attending to his wound. That is and nice. being medically responsible. I am seeing that you wrote down, ooh, yeah, tall lady in a hat. Let's go. <laughs> Actually, she was tall. Keep uh, scroll. Oh, tall lady walks in on racist locker room talk equals us walking into the AFI. <laughs> okay, so this is when it turns out that the wife that he spoke to before was not the wife of the woman. And I was so perplexed because she's like, have we ever met before? And he's like, no, I think I would remember after he's just told a racist joke against a Chinese the right. Chinese culture. Yeah. And selling us two other white dudes in the office. Yeah. And they're like, shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> there's a woman, there's a woman. Him. The woman will hear. Um, yes. Yeah, so this is where we meet actual wife, Evelyn, played by Faye Dunaway, who is not Bowen Yang, despite that being his Instagram handle. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. That's the only thing I knew about Faye Dunaway going into this movie. Is that I know. I've never Bowen seen Yang's Instagram. <laughs> I've never seen her either. I've never seen her ever. You can barely see her. She has almost no eyebrows in this movie. I wrote that too. Thin, thin arched eyebrows. And she's in his office and she's like, have we ever met before? And I was watching it like, yeah, you you hired him to stalk your husband. And he's like, no, but I thought they were doing like a, a little coy, we're covering up that you were in here before and I'll just not tell anyone. But then it turns out she's a fully different woman. I had no idea. <laughs> they I'm so don't, confused. They don't spend enough time on the things we're supposed to remember later. Liana, I'd like to know about this note. Mm. Is the L.A. Reservoir the one with the balls? Thank you for asking. Now, we must discuss the L.A. Reservoir, which is covered in black balls at this very moment. <laughs> Tell me more. There's like 96,000 or million or something black balls of some material covering the entire reservoir, and they're called shade balls. And they're meant to protect the water from the sun oh. so as to stop evaporation. Oh, that's cool. It's pretty freaking cool and you can watch a boat like boat through the balls because <laughs> <laughs> you have to get around them it's hard to move through them 
Because they completely cover it. They also, because if you put a bunch of balls next to each other, they create like these sort of hexagonal structures. And so hexagonal, it's the best way to get like full coverage of the lake. That's so cool. Humans do some pretty smart things sometimes. But not in this movie. (laughs) You wrote, does his tie have toast on it? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) When he's having lunch with Faye, what's her name? Oh, yeah. Evelyn. Mm -hmm. He is wearing a tie that I was just fixated on because I wasn't paying attention to what they were saying at this point. Though I think this was when he's like, there's another, was this another woman? And she's like. I don't know. I have no idea. The only thing I remember from that is him asking like, what does the C on this envelope stand for? And she's like, cross. Uh, And later he's like, oh my God, you're his daughter. And I was like, this was not hard to figure out. Also at this lunch is when he's asking about like her alibi. Cause I, yeah, I think he's asking to see if she's the one who killed her husband. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, well you, you weren't there. You were far away when it happened. And she went, yes, riding bear back. (laughs) Which they do later in the film. They do. (laughs) (laughs) Riding These two back. people bone. I mean, as soon as a wife's husband dies in an old movie made by a white man, you know that the lead white man is going to bone that wife. I, I was really surprised by them having sex. Really? Yeah. Oh, I knew from the very beginning that really? it was going to happen. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Why, this is so stupid of me, especially because that's like a maybe a noir trope. I don't know why I think I know that. <laughs> Yeah, sure. It's just a trope of these movies. Yeah, I guess people people be having sex. In most movies on this list, somebody has boned somebody's wife. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> sometimes it's their own wife. Mm-hmm. But sometimes. sometimes it's someone else's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or they think someone else has boned their wife. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be the most dangerous one. Yeah. I was surprised for some reason. I just didn't sense any chemistry over this whole oh, thing. Oh, there was no chemistry. <laughs> so That's not why you knew it was going to happen. You just knew because a man wrote it and directed it. And they always see themselves as the lead. And so... Later, later, later. I don't know what's happening at this point. They're in a bathroom. Of course, his nose has started bleeding. I, that was so unsettling to me. His nose, bloody. They're kissing. It was a bloody nose. It was not a good kiss. I guess maybe because his nose was bloody, maybe because it was the past. Also, it is so, this movie was so predictable in so many ways of like, of course, your husband is going to get murdered. Of course, they're eventually going to bone. Of course, it's going to be after she's like cleaning his wound in the bathroom at the end of a long day. I want to talk about what you wrote down, which is shout out to the guy drinking a Coke and having a snack next to a dead body. That would so be me. <laughs> at some point when they're with like a, the coroner or something. Yeah, they're, they're looking at what's his name. <gasps> I dead remember body. this guy. They're in the morgue. Yeah. <laughs> you remember the guy eating a I do. snack? I, he has like an old fashioned Coke bottle. Because yeah. <laughs> everybody's him. pulling it up, which is also where we see the first unnecessary peen. There was a penis in this film? There was a penis in this film. What? I went back, I checked. It was there. <laughs> Whose penis? Mulray's? A, a dead bodies. Was it the guy's? No. It's just a random it penis? It was a random one. No, that's so Polanski. I can't believe there's a penis in this movie. A quick glimpse. It was also, I don't know how to say this in a way that won't ruin everybody's day, but hard to see it under a lot of bush. <laughs> it was the 70s. Like, a lot. It was the 70s playing the 30s. Yeah, right? I don't have any statement on that. I just, that's just the case. Hard to find it. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, you wrote down the most Liana moment. <gasps> telling her friends to shut the fuck up when something big is going <laughs> I love doing that. Did you notice that moment? I wrote down, he said, fuck. <laughs> it was actually, this one did make me laugh because I left as well. He gets a phone call when he's in the office with some of the boys and yeah. it's a phone call from the original wife who he'd been looking for. The, the fake wife. The fake wife. The yeah. decoy wife. Yeah. She's like, I was the woman who p- pretended to be the wife. And he goes, shut the fuck up. To the he guy. goes to his friends. He literally goes, shut the fuck up. 
which Liana does, as we know, if anything important is happening or specifically if, you know, you have a song that you're going to play really or something. I really do that. Everybody shut up. <laughs> Everyone shut up. I did that so recently. I walked into a gathering of friends and I saw someone I hadn't seen in a really long time. I literally said, everyone shut up. No, it's extremely fun. I didn't know most people at that party. They're like, oh, I literally entered the room with that. Entered, ended all of their conversations <laughs> so that you could have a conversation with someone who wasn't them. <laughs> yeah, I think it's fun. I thought that was fun of him to do. I was like, it was fun. It was oh, a fun that's Eliana. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be right bareback after these ads. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune into what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. I was so sure, and I know this is jumping right to the end, but I was sure he was the one who was going to die. 
oh. at the end of the film. Because the whole time he's like, that's, I, I used to work in Chinatown. Uh-huh. And it was hard, but I'm not going to talk about it. To the point that I was like, was there a prequel to this movie that I missed? Like, what, what yeah. is happening? And then they end up in Chinatown at the very end for reasons that don't matter. <laughs> and I was so sure because the whole movie has been hinting at like, oh, Chinatown's bad luck. Like, if you go there, you're going to have bad luck. Also a racist thing to just like say about right? Chinatown. So I assumed that it was going to be him who would die. But of course, who would it be but the woman? Sweet Faye. The girl character. That I just absolutely uh, made there me... Was way more blood in this movie than I expected. I think I thought it was going to be a lot bloodier. Wow. Because again, I thought this was going to be like an 80s noir. <laughs> that classic, <laughs> classic genre. <laughs> Which of course we'd all know is very bloody. Yeah. But it was instead much more gruesome. Like yeah. there wasn't so much blood everywhere, but just like she gets shot in the eye somehow, even gross. though it's from behind, I guess. Also, they didn't have that good of aim. Like, are you kidding? Right. Those guns were way too small to get that precise. She holds up a tiny gun too. Oh, that gun was so small. And did you notice that it sparkles? I was obsessed. I know we're jumping right to the end, but this movie doesn't matter. Yeah. I think it's time to jump to the end. Okay. Because the ending is really messed up. The real twist of this movie is twisted. a very Polanski twist. You wrote in all caps. Ew. Polanski made an incest film. Mm. Guys, so this is this is upsetting. So don't don't be having a bad day. <laughs> if you don't want to hear us talk about incest, please feel free to skip the next like two minutes of this episode. Okay. During an insane scene in which Jack Nicholson beats up a woman. Throws her, I mean, slapping. Throws her around the room. They've already boned, and now it's time for him to beat her up, because that's apparently what women were for in the 70s. He's like, who is this w- blonde woman who you're sort of keeping hostage? This is the blonde woman he originally photographed with Mulray, who he thought was Mulray's mistress. And Faye Dunaway goes, she's my sister. And he slaps her. And then she goes, she's my daughter. And he slaps her. And then she goes, she's my sister. Slap. Daughter? Slap. She's my sister and my daughter. To which I wrote down, pardon? As a viewer, you're like, what? Huh? That's like really sad, but what? I got really confused because I thought it was like a Mark Twain was his own grandfather situation of just like people got married in such a way. If I had been high, that would have been that would have been over. I'd been toast for days. Would have been over. (laughs) You'd have been toast on Jack Nicholson's tie. (laughs) (laughs) But nope, Polanski made another film that hinges on rape. That's the thing. Also, say what you will, or don't say anything actually about Polanski. But I know people will be like, oh, like, but his directing, I like. Guys, the things he chooses to direct uh-huh. are really messed up. The signs were there, people. I, like, that's what he likes to do. Ugh. That's not good. That's not fun, good stuff. He didn't direct, like, the cat in the hat. <laughs> also, didn't Dr. Seuss suck, too? Yeah. I don't know who directed <laughs> it. They might have sucked, too. He wrote the story. I know. Oh, okay. I know All about right. that. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> we have to talk about that. You wrote more like Watertown. <laughs> Because once we get to the end of this freaking film and they're in Chinatown for the first time ever, I'm mm-hmm. like, what the? What this movie's really about is water. Water. It's Watertown. It's Watertown. Waterless town, I suppose. Nice. She's trying to escape with her daughter sister. Jack Nicholson is going to meet them, but then the cops who are bad at their job are there. And then also Noah Cross, the evil billionaire slash rapist, is, is also so there. Creepy, her dad. She drives away with her daughter, and then the cops go real trigger happy as they are wont to do. 
It's so sad. And then you just hear the, she's still driving, and then you hear the horn. Yeah. Her head has hit the wheel. Yeah. And you go, no. No. Of all the people to die. Uh-huh. This is the one who's dying. Uh-huh. And then her daughter uh-huh. is screaming. Uh-huh. And then her daughter gets pulled out of the car by... Freaking cross. Her grandfather slash father. And it was really creepy. It her, was awful. His face is close to her face. It's just like... It was felt, so gross. Ugh. This movie sucked, y'all. And, and then and it ended. And then it ended. <sighs> this movie is so stupid and bad. Like, movies can have sad endings. That is okay. Obviously, the Oscars loves to praise those. But... When you have a movie that just sucks the whole time and then has a shitty ending with no redemption, it's like, what What was the point? Liana wrote, Jake's face at the end of this is exactly how I feel. Yeah. Exactly. I could recreate this face at any, any time because I do it every day where he just stares into the middle distance and goes completely dead in the eyes and looks absolutely unamused. That's what's so stupid. It's like, well, maybe if we make him look in shock, then we'll acknowledge <laughs> the fact that this was completely out of nowhere and horrible. And stupid and bad. But they, uh, yeah, like literally the woman dies, the other woman in the movie gets taken off screen and then they turn to the man's reaction. <laughs> yeah. I hate oh, movie. awful. Okay, we're ready to move on? Yeah. Now we're going to discuss badges and tragedies, our, our lovely segment in which we award badges for things we think the movie did well, or just for a movie like this, things that we were desperate to find that gave us a bit of reprieve. Uh-huh. And tragedies for any film directed by Roman Polanski. <laughs> tragedies are tragic bad badges. I have a badge for this woman's feather hat. Ooh. This was the first not wife wife, and she was wearing this like cool hat. A badge for Faye's hats in this film. These yeah. hats were good. Mm-hmm. These were good hats. The one that's sort of a regular hat, but one half of it is slid down. I love it. that one. She looked like Robin Hood. It was so fun. Okay, and then finally, my final badge in this Polanski film is a badge for shooting your rapist. Because Faye Dunaway, with her tiny sparkly gun, shoots the guy in, like, I guess the shoulder? Yeah, she gets him. She gets him. And I was like, girl, I would too if I could. I love that. The ladies never get to just, like, fully shoot someone. That's nice. Yeah, at least she got to do that before she got shot through the eyeball. Yeah. God. I'm so sorry. I forgot a badge. And finally, a badge for so many horses. So many more horses than I could have ever dreamed. That is why this Polanski film was on the list and Rosemary's Baby was not. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. It keeps... <laughs> it keeps being true. <laughs> it keeps getting truer. Okay. Badge for sheep. <laughs> badge for... Some lines were kind of funny, I guess. Hmm. Uh, badge for interesting history, which I yeah, added from yours. Um, badge for perhaps the thinnest eyebrows we've seen. Yes. From Our Lady Faye. Badge for first unnecessary peen. Badge for an ominous little Mexican boy on a horse. <laughs> I loved this boy so much. And I wrote down the actual that. actor's name, Claudio Martinez. He's my new favorite yeah. person. He did another boy slash man thing in these old films where he gives like half a sentence of detail and then leaves that's what made him so ominous Mm -hmm. a badge for la sunsets they stuck (laughs) some of those in there a badge for this is a movie about water which i I just didn't expect sure and that is that was a badge okay it's like all right yeah water is life (laughs) that's different than what i thought chinatown would be about yeah um badge for an elderly woman going yes who did this? Oh, I remember. <laughs> there was a whole elder fraud situation as well that had to do with land buying. It doesn't matter. But mm. the first woman they greet, they're like, mm-hmm. hey, are you? What's her name? Mm-hmm. And she goes, yes. That's how I started every improv scene when I was playing somebody kooky. 
<laughs> yes. Oh, and finally, Faye looks amazing in this shoulder padded robe after they bang. Oh, yeah. She has a robe with like a little shoulder pad on it. And she she just looked gorgeous. She yeah. looked glamorous. Yeah. Anyway. Liana, trages. Ooh, I got several. Trage for an office staffed with only men. We've I, had to deal with this recently. I felt so bad. Oh, sorry. You go. No, no. I'm silencing you. Please go. We've had to deal with this recently and it sucks. I felt so bad for Sophie. Poor Sophie. Who's Sophie? She was a secretary. Awful. It just, it just, it's not like anything specific happened to her. It just looked like her life sucked. Terrible work environment. I got a trage for flicking a cigarette into a lake. This is why we cannot have nice things. This is part of why the globe is literally on fire now. Trage for the depiction of people of color throughout the film. They were often racist tropes. Uh, trage for a man annoying a woman at her job. This is when Nicholson goes to bother the other secretary in the film into letting her him go into her boss's office and talk to him. He's the partner of the water guy. This movie, it doesn't matter. Anyway, that's when he looks at all those old photos and he's like, oh my God, it's her dad. Uh, trage for stressing out some geese. These geese were stressed. <laughs> this is when he drives to an orange grove and just sits around, which A, what was your plan? B, he gets beat up by like three different people and I was kind of like, he deserved it. And then he drives away into a field of geese and they were so clearly distraught. Trage for unnecessary boob at the end of a scene. The end of a scene. They had already boned. I was like, maybe we're going to get away with it. They like, were maybe so there's, close to not having so unnecessary having boob, boob in this movie. They didn't. They were doing it tastefully up until then. I was shocked. I know. I was like, what was the point? You don't need to put this in. We get that they boned. That was very, very obvious. They put it in so that other men will see their movies because they're like, I don't know when the boob's going to happen. So I got to stay for the whole thing. <sighs> and finally, a trage for cops shooting willy nilly. They got so trigger happy in this film and they were so bad at their jobs and nothing has changed. And of course, overall trage, Roman Polanski. So a lot of mine were similar, so I'm not going to repeat them. Cool. But one thing to encapsulate. So my first trage to encapsulate sort of the ending, all the problems with the ending, having such sudden awfulness at the end, like suddenly there's this incest thing. Suddenly he's beating her up yeah. to get things out of her. Yeah. Suddenly she's getting shot. Like the rest of the movie didn't have that tone. No. And so it came on, not only was it awful, but it came on very strong. Like we weren't prepared. Mm-hmm. It didn't match the world that yeah. the movie had already built. Exactly. Yeah. Not even true to the world. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, trage for, I didn't care enough about the mysteries and no, wasn't compelled enough no. to get through it. It was so slow, too. Yeah. There yeah. wasn't even a death until way further into the film than there should have been. Ugh. Right, agreed. Trage for, <laughs> I didn't know where to put this. This is an observation. Radishes and fish head as a meal. <laughs> it looked bad. It didn't look tasty. That might have been a bad, but he was having it with the incest the dad. billionaire. And just before several horses appear strange trage for incest mm-hmm. trage for roman polanski mm-hmm. and trage for sad confusing ending yeah what is this movie it's so dumb i didn't care and that is a gorgeous segue into our prized segment how to pretend you've seen this film this is for sienna jekyll in the past two weeks <laughs> When I have entered any space <coughs> oh. where a male friend or person has just been around. Mm-hmm. And as I say, oh, hey, guys, I'm going to be watching the film Chinatown this mm-hmm. week. Somehow five of them. There were only two in the room before. They scuttle out. They all <laughs> run up at once. They have their name combined is Aaron. Aaron. And Aaron says, Chinatown? I have so many thoughts on Chinatown. Have you seen it? Here are a few sentences you can say to pretend you've seen Chinatown. 
Oh, yeah. That screenplay? The composition of the film? Which, as we all know, composition means, what, the parts of the movie? That was good. Oh, wow. That scene where there was a portrait of FDR on the wall? Hey, what a guy. I've heard that some people consider this the last classical Hollywood picture. (laughs) She did that while twirling her hair. Oh, no. Awful. I loved the colors in this film. Brown and beige and green. Erin, it made me feel bad. And that's good. (laughs) Y'all, you really need to do better. (laughs) I don't know. If anyone from the AFI is listening to this podcast, like, wake the fuck up. This is, you're doing such a bad job with this list. That was a long, I don't even know how long that movie was. It felt like forever. Two hours and ten minutes. Oh my God. Exactly. I I thought it was three at least. It felt like it. That was two hours and 10 minutes of our life. We can't Mm -hmm. get back, but maybe we can protect you guys. Yes. We're going to move on to a little segment we like to call, Should You Watch This Or? In Mm -hmm. which we tell you if this film is worth watching or if you should do anything else with your time. Yeah. Lihana, where do you fall? Oh my God, here is what I would like to do instead of having watched this film. Okay. More than anything, I love to just be on my couch. But the one thing I would leave my couch for is to go see those black balls on the L.A. Reservoir. I want to go do a boat trip on the L.A. Reservoir and just boat through some balls. I want to see those now. Uh-huh. Right? That you sounds so much more fun than watching this movie. And you get to learn about water rights and the protection of water. I think it'd be a great little field trip. I love that. Grab your sunscreen, boys. We're going to the ball reservoir. <laughs> We're going to the ball reservoir. <laughs> America's pastime. <laughs> Looking the ball at the- reservoir. <laughs> Looking at the big ball pit, which of course is a reservoir. Yeah. Sienna, what would you say? I would say, yeah, you really, you don't have to watch this movie. First of all, listeners, I notice I've been recommending watching a lot of the past films, and that's fine. There are definitely some films that we've been watching that I've been enjoying. But I think that I have been swept up in this, you know, life of podcast celebrity. Oh, <laughs> no, not at all. In just reviewing... Over and over, I I have, when I give it a good score, or if I like it, I've felt the need to tell people they should watch it. But one of the points of this podcast is that just because other people are into it doesn't mean that has to be something you have to do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's so many other things to do with your life. That's right. We're going back to our roots, baby. And if the point of you watching it is because it's on the AFI, that's stupid. (laughs) Okay. That's what we're doing. And we're idiots. Yeah. We are putting ourselves through this torture for oh, you. you don't have to. I shouldn't be recommending torture just because I was like, well, I got through it. Oh, my God. Sienna's continuing the cycle of abuse. Exactly. <laughs> this podcast. That's exactly right. I don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a new year. We're turning over a new <laughs> leaf. Exactly. Happy New Year, everybody. But in this case, pretty easy because I wasn't crazy about this film. Mm-mm. I would say you don't have to watch this movie. Don't do that. One thing, if you're interested in watching uh, uh, some entertainment about water, (laughs) specifically city water, actually in Southern California, there's that episode of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend where there's a they do a class action suit against like the apartment building, something about the municipal water system. Uh Anyway, you should watch that episode. What a directly relevant example. That's great. Thank you. I mean, I was thinking about it throughout this movie. Uh, That's a sweet 30 minutes or something. And Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is so fun. There's mm -hmm. music. 
Anyway, would recommend. It's a pretty groundbreaking show about mental health as well. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. All right, everyone. Well, there you go. That's Those are things you could do instead of watching this movie. Oh, my God. Never watch this movie. No need. Sienna, what would you rate Chinatown? Oh. I'd give Chinatown... I, I feel good giving it a, a 0.8 out of five toasty ties. <laughs> like, it was in color, and there were some funny lines, but I didn't understand anything, and yeah. it it just felt bad, and I didn't like it. Yeah. So anyway, it, it wasn't worth it. Mm-hmm. How about you, Liana? Oh, this is getting a flat zero nose slices out of five yeah. from me. Again, it's a Polanski film. This film deserves no praise whatsoever. It yeah. should never, ever be on a list of 100 greatest anythings of any time. Okay, everyone. Well, that's been our episode on Chinatown, a movie that can go die in a <laughs> hole. If you enjoy our content, like, please feel free to engage with us on social media. Actually, in general, if you just want to give any compliments, just for fun, I mean. Yes, actually, Sienna really would like you to give us compliments. I love them. I love compliments. Okay, give Sienna compliments 2022. <laughs> Here we go. Thank you so much for listening. We are at Toss Popcorn on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Clash. <laughs> And leave us a five-star review if you love us as much as we love you. Yeah. And uh, join us next week when we will be watching Some Like It Hot. Just like the Republican. Climate change is real. (laughs) Happy New Year, everybody, from Tossed Popcorn. Thank you. We love you. Bye. Bye. You can find us on Instagram as at Sienna Jekyll and at Liana Holston. Please check the description for the spelling of our dumb names. We put out episodes every Tuesday, so make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. See you next week on Tossed Popcorn. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check the iHeartRadio app. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.